Uh, as you know, we've been going through the book of John all together, and um, we're, we're a little over halfway. Uh, we're kind of to the point in the story where things uh, start to sort of heat up a little bit, and uh, we're sort of on this journey uh, through the upper room towards the cross, towards the empty tomb. Spoiler alert, if you didn't know the end of the story, that's how it goes. And uh, right now we're in this moment in the upper room. And uh, before we jump in uh, and start kind of unpacking what, what's happening, let me pray for us and then we'll get moving forward. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your words. Thank you for the fact that um, your words may be spoken to specific people in a specific time, but they're also spoken for us. Jesus, would you help us to hear you through the power of your spirit, through your word, would you help us to, um, to know what you're saying to our lives, to our circumstances this morning? We love you. We trust you. We're here for you. We're open to whatever you have to say. In your name, Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> so let's set the scene a little bit um, before, before we sort of read some of the text again. Uh, this, is a, this is a moment in the story when um, there's a lot sort of going on. There's, there's a lot of like tension in the atmosphere. So these guys have been following Jesus for years at this point, and they've watched him have all sorts of encounters, uh, encounters with, with people who were thought to be like excluded and unclean and too sinful, and he's seen them welcome them into the, the mission that he's doing, into the kingdom of God. He's had encounters with, uh, with people who are in opposition to him, the, sort of the um, theological watchdogs and some people who were really uh, trying to make sure that what Jesus was doing wasn't too radical, wasn't too far outside the norm, and he's had some pretty intense encounters with them. He's had encounters uh, with spiritual beings. There's been moments when, when God the Father speaks in audible voices to Jesus and people around him, like, hear, hear this sound, and they're like, oh, God is speaking, and it's this incredible moment where the physical world and the spiritual world seem to be blending. Um, they've seen him have encounters with demonic forces, uh, some really frightening and, and interesting and uh, sort of mind-bending experiences where Jesus encounters and sort of does battle with some of these spiritual evil forces. And then they've seen sort of as Jesus has gone through his mission and as he's done what he's doing, bringing in the kingdom of God, preaching the kingdom of God, enacting the kingdom of God, um, we've seen Jesus actually begin to have more and more uh, opposition against him. Uh, it seems that the, the spiritual world is sort of ramping up their battle and it, its fight, and it also seems that the, uh, the people who are in control around Jesus, both the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and the political leaders seem to be um, getting more and more concerned about what Jesus is doing. And so Jesus has now come to Jerusalem, sort of the center of the conflict, and he's already had some pretty intense moments where it seems like not only have we crossed the point to where some people are upset at Jesus, it seems like there's actually some real danger. So his disciples are watching all this go down. And then Jesus says, hey, let's go have the Passover meal together. Let's go celebrate this Jewish festival together in this little room in the upstairs in this house in Jerusalem. Let's go do this together. And when they do this, uh, Jesus begins to just sort of act a little strange. We talked about how he was washing their feet, which is a bit unusual. And, but, but then he says, like, do you understand what I've done for you? I, I want you to love one another this way. And, and he's saying sorts, these sort of big statements that make you think like, oh, this, this might be a big moment. It's almost as if Jesus is giving us sort of his final 
instructions. And then it says that Jesus makes sure that they all know, oh, one of you will betray me. One of you is actually going to like turn against me here in a minute. And what we're told in the text is that the devil actually enters into Judas Iscariot and then he leaves the room. So you've watched this all happen. And then Jesus begins to predict not only that that one of them, that Judas, will will betray him, that there'll be some sort of real betrayal, but that also, by the way, he he lets Peter know, um, by the way, you're going to deny me. You're going to pretend like you don't know me. And so there's, there's all this like heaviness, there's all this danger, there's all this tension, and like there's all this unknown happening in the room. Like all, all these disciples are watching Jesus uh, behave in, in an unusual way and start to predict some really scary, scary things. And if, if I'm one of the disciples in this moment, I'm looking at Jesus and I'm like, what is happening? Like, are we gonna be okay? Like, are you gonna be okay? What is happening? What do you mean Judas just left and there was a look in his eye? I don't know, but I didn't like it. And what do you mean Peter's gonna say that he doesn't know you? Of course, Peter's like the most into this whole thing out of all of us. What do you, what do you mean, Jesus? What is it that you're predicting? And, and are we gonna be okay? Are you gonna be okay? Is this gonna continue, this thing that you've started doing? So in the middle of all of this, Jesus sits down his disciples, he sort of sits them down around the table, and he begins to to have this conversation that's known as the upper room discourse. Uh, Chapters 14 through 17, some people include 13, but it's just basically Jesus having a conversation with his disciples in the upper room on the night that he's about to be arrested and then tried in a false trial and then crucified. This is, this is sort of like his last like moment to really nail some things down with his disciples in the upper room. And Jesus begins the conversation in the beginning of chapter four this way. He says this, hey, let not your heart be troubled. Believe or trust in God. Believe also in me. So Jesus says something that um, we sort of look at and we're like, oh, that's sweet. That's really sweet. That's nice. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Like I could embroider that on a pillow. It'd be really nice. Uh, but if we actually think about what's going on in the context that Jesus is in, this is, this, this, this is actually a big statement. This is a pretty like jarring statement. It's almost an offensive statement. It might even be a bit controversial um, because they're experiencing all sorts of like elevated danger. And they're experiencing all sorts of like elevated opposition to what they believe. And they're experiencing all sorts of political turmoil. They're experiencing people coming against them who have real power. They're experiencing marginalization. They're experiencing real, real anxiety about real, real problems. And Jesus looks at them and says, let not your heart be troubled. Hey, don't let your heart lose its sense of peace. Don't let your heart like become really worked up and anxious. And if I'm one of these disciples, I wanna look at Jesus and be like, what are you talking about? Like, how can I not? Like, how could I possibly not be a little bit worried and freaked out? Like, I just saw Judas get demon possessed and walk out of the room. Like, why would I not be freaked out? You've been talking about dying for like three years and now it actually seems like someone might wanna kill you. What are you talking about, don't freak out? What do you mean, don't let my heart be troubled? If I'm Peter, I'm like, you just told me that I'm gonna massively screw up tonight. What do you mean? 
don't let my heart be troubled. You think I have some kind of control over this? But Jesus wants to say right at the beginning of this whole conversation with the disciples, first things first, don't let your heart freak out. Don't let it get in there. I know these are intense times. I know you're facing intense things. I know you're worried about how people around you will respond. I know you're worried about how you will respond. Don't let your heart freak out. Why? Well, trust in God. Believe in God. And also believe, trust in me. This word believe is not um, often what we would think of as believe. The, the, the biblical authors didn't really use that word to mean uh, like cognitive assent. Like I believe, like I give my agreement to that list of theological beliefs. That's not what they meant by believe. What they meant by believe was something quite a bit more active, like, like trust, like put your weight upon this truth. And so Jesus is saying, hey, Put your weight on me. Put your weight on God. Like lean on God. Trust in God. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Then he goes on to say, in my father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that you may be where I am also and you know the way to where I am going. So Jesus is like, hey, 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 don't let your hearts be troubled. I know it's crazy times. Don't freak out, don't let it get in there because I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'll come back and get you and you know the way, you know where I went, you know how to get there, you're gonna be with me in my Father's house, it's going to be okay. Jesus is trying so hard to like comfort these poor men who are starting to freak out. Like, like, you know that moment when you can tell in a group of people that like something has been said or we've just gotten some news or the, and that like, people get really quiet? That's how I imagine this scene. It's like people are getting really quiet and you know inside everyone's like freaking out but nobody wants to like say anything. I just imagine Jesus looking around at these like frightened eyes and these flushed faces and being like, you guys, you guys, don't freak out. Don't let it in. It's gonna be okay. Trust me. Trust me, trust God. I'm, I'm going to prepare a place and I'm coming to get you. Basically what Jesus is saying is in the end, it will all work out. Trust me, I'll come back and get you. Trust me, you know where I'm going, you know the way to get there. And then Thomas, whom, whom I love, because he's always asking some really practical questions, he says in verse five, Lord, we don't know the way to where you're going, how can we get there if we don't know the way? And I imagine Jesus looking at me like, okay, okay, clearly what I'm saying is not making sense. Like, I, I, I told you you don't need to freak out, and I told you why. Like, I told you it's all going to be okay, and that you, you'll be able to come to where I am. And, and, and Thomas is like, okay, well, how do I get there? Can you, like, give me a roadmap? Can you, like, give me a set of instructions? Tell me what to do, Jesus. Like, A, B, C, D, I need to know how to do what you're asking me to do. And I imagine Jesus just like, Okay, let's see how I can explain this differently. Uh, Thomas asks, how can we know the way? And Jesus says to him, okay, I, I am the way. It's me. I'm the way and the truth and also I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except 
through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Jesus is like, okay, I know you're asking some really practical questions about how. How do we get to the place where it's all going to be okay? How do we get from here where everything is really scary and we're kind of freaking out and things are falling apart to this like father's house thing you're talking about? What's the road between the two? And Jesus is like, okay, okay, clearly there's some things you haven't picked up on the last three and a half years. So let me explain this to you as clearly as I can. It's me. I'm the way. Like, I'm, I'm your road from scary times to good times. Like, I'm your way through. I, I'm also the truth, by the way. Like, it's me. I'm, I'm the truth. And, and all the different voices speaking all kinds of different truths in this scary place, um, I, I'm, I'm the voice. I'm the one. I'm, I'm the real truth that's actually going to lead you out of that scary place to my father's house, where it's like all going to be okay in the end. And, and, and just in case you're not quite clear, also, I am the life. And I know people are talking about death all around you right now. And I know like you've even heard me talk about death. And I know you're about to see some things that are really going to scare you because I actually am going to die and it's going to be really traumatic and really horrific. But I want you to know that like death doesn't win. I, I am life. And if, and if you're with me, you will have life. Like Jesus isn't giving us systematic theology here. He's giving us relational confidence. He's not giving us systematic like point, bullet points. He's saying, no, 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 no. You can know that you'll be okay and that you'll get to the place that is okay because it's because of me. Like I, I will come back and get you. Like I am your way, your truth, and your life. I will lead you all the way through this mess. You can trust me. Yeah, but Jesus, could you please give me some sort of manifesto, some sort of article, some sort of something that's gonna, a podcast, anything that will give me the tips and tricks so I know how not to freak out, how to be okay, and how to get through this really dangerous time in my life. And Jesus is like, I don't have that for you, but what I do have is myself. Like, I, I, I'll be your way, I'll be your truth, I'll be your life. And I, I love this because um, they still don't catch on. Listen to Philip. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and that is enough for us. Oh, oh man. I just imagine, I can only imagine what Jesus is thinking. I can only imagine when Jesus, what Jesus is thinking when I'm Philip when I'm Thomas, and I'm like, yes, I know, but could you please give me the answer? Um, so, so often I come to Jesus with like, re- with like real problems, you guys, like real problems. I was talking to Simon about this at our last worship night. By the way, little plug, worship night is awesome. It's going to be awesome. We're gonna talk about God's faithfulness together this Wednesday. Come just like pour your heart out, heart out to Jesus. But this last worship night, I didn't have to lead, but I got to just be here, and, um, and, and it, was, it blessed me so much, and I just came with some really, real heavy things on my heart, and so often I have some like real issues, real questions, real difficulties, and I'm coming to Jesus and I'm saying, what do I do with this mess? Some of it was handed to me, some of it I made, what do I do with this mess? And, and so often, Jesus' response to me in that moment is actually not to address or answer any of my questions. 
he, we'll get there. Like he works them out with me over time, but he doesn't just give me like a, oh, here's point A, point B, point C, and I'll see you when you get to the conclusion. Like he's actually what he does when I come and I say, what do I do with all this? Can you explain this? I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Jesus comes and he just says, hey, I'm here. I'm here. Jesus' response, his answer to our very real challenges and questions so often just seems to be himself, like his presence. And I'm Thomas and I'm Philip being like, yeah, but could I just have the answer? Could I just have the life hack? That'd be great if you could just tell me like how to simplify things, how to get through, how to stand up for what I believe, how to whatever in this moment that I'm living in. And Jesus is saying, oh yeah, I have an answer for you, it's me. I'm here, stick with me, I'll come back and get you, I'll be your way, I'll be the truth, I'll be your life. So Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and that is enough for us. And these words from Jesus, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, Philip, and you still don't know me? Wow. Have I been with you so long and you still don't know who I am? You're asking to see God, and you're even saying, like, you're saying the right thing. Show us God, and that will be enough. You know what, God? You know what, Jesus? I don't need answers like Thomas needed answers. You know what? I, he doesn't have the faith I have. If you'll just show me God, then I, then I know I would be satisfied and content, just like in his presence. And Jesus looks at him, and he's like, I'm right here. Like, don't. Don't you, don't you know who I am yet? Haven't you spent so long with me and you still don't know me? And the scary thing to me is, it is possible to follow Jesus, this is telling me, it is possible to follow Jesus for three and a half years and, and know a lot about him, and know a lot about the kingdom of God, and be able to recite the very things that Jesus teaches, and be able to even put a lot of them into practice. Like Philip puts a lot of the things into practice and still not be clear on who Jesus is, like still not know him on that relational level. See, here's the thing, I, I can know a lot about a person. Like, like uh, recently, my dear friend Josh and I went on a backpacking trip together, right? And, um, and Josh uh, is, is a good friend of mine and someone I trust to just like be out in the wilderness with, you know, we went, stupid amounts of distances, and we just made it through together, and we faced some challenges, but we made it. We found water in the end. And, uh, and, and Josh, Josh and I uh, were on this backpacking trip, and it would have been easy for me to, uh, if, I, if I didn't know Josh, right? It, it, I could have maybe heard some things about Josh. I could have like, if I, did, if I wasn't like familiar with this Josh guy, somebody was like, oh no, he's great. He's great in the wilderness. He doesn't freak out and he just, he's willing to keep walking until you guys find water and he's willing to just like camp wherever and he's just, he's never going to complain and his, yeah, it's going to, yeah, for sure Josh is the guy to go with. And I, I could like know that about Josh and still like be a little nervous backpacking with him. Like I could still be a little bit like, are we gonna be okay? Are you gonna freak out? Am I gonna freak out because you're freaking out? Like, are you gonna be willing to do the hard work it takes to like do this? And like, are, I, 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 wouldn't, I still wouldn't know. But, but I actually know Josh, like we live, we live life together. Like we're, we're very dear friends and we talk most every day and we even like at this point in our lives get to live next to each other. And so going backpacking with Josh was I, I know this man, I know this person, I know he and I will be okay together. 
See, we can hear a lot about Jesus that actually like feels really good and actually makes a lot of sense and actually like changes the way we live a little bit, but unless we get to know his heart, we still won't be able to trust him. Unless we get to know him in relational intimacy, we still won't be able to believe in God, believe also in Jesus. And our hearts will be troubled. We will freak out because there are just things that won't make sense. And if we can't trust his heart, then, then, then there's, like, there's no recourse for us. Yeah, we might have our theology down, we might know our Bibles really well, but the thing that keeps us when, th- when everything seems crazy, the thing that keeps us in the midst of, of Jesus' peace and in his presence and with that calmness of spirit and that non-anxious heart is knowing Jesus enough to be able to say, yeah, I trust his heart. I, I not just know about him, but I trust him. I know him. In fact, Jesus says, my favorite, you guys want to know my favorite verse? I think I've shared this before. A few, a few chapters later, Jesus is praying, and Jesus says these words. He says in, in John 17, 3, he says, this is eternal life. Oh, you're going to define eternal life for us? T- tell me, what's eternal life like? He says, this is eternal life, that, you, that they, that is the disciples, know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life, heavenly life, is knowing God. Like the the knowledge of God, the relational confidence and intimacy with God, Jesus describes that as eternal life, heavenly life, here and now. It's like heaven in the soul, no matter what's going on around us, because we know him, we've come to trust him, we have intimacy with him, because Jesus is our way through. He is our truth and he is our very life. And we have to learn to like reorient our thinking because I was taught that you are safe if you have the right answers. And I was taught that you're safe if you're sure how everything is gonna go. But what Jesus is saying is actually you're safe because of who I am, because of like what's true of me, because like you know me, you can have peace in your heart. Jesus actually talks about this. This is a really clear place that he talks about this, but it happens all the time in the Gospels. He's constantly trying to get his disciples to like, re, like rethink, rethink the way they do faith, rethink the way they do their, their spirituality, rethink like who he himself might be for them. We see this in, in uh, one example, would be when Jesus is in the boat sleeping in the middle of a storm, You guys remember this story? And there's waves crashing over the sides of the boat and the boat is actually starting to sink and Jesus is just napping in the back and his disciples come wake him up and they're like, hey, 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 don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? They question his heart. Don't you care? Don't you care if we, look at these waves. Look at this boat. Don't you care? And Jesus gets up, he looks at the waves and he says, quiet down, just quiet down. And the storm stops in a moment, and he looks at his disciples and he goes, why were you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And, and they're probably like, whoa, what, what do you mean? We were like about to drown, and what, oh, what do you mean faith? Like, what does faith have to do with this? Like, you just saved our lives. What does faith have to do with anything? But then they begin to look at each other, and it says they say, who is this that even the wind and waves obey him? 
They start to wonder who is the person in the boat with us. And they start to realize that they're safe not because there aren't stormy waters. They're safe not because the ship is sound. They're safe not because they're confident in their own ability to get through. They're safe because of who's in the boat with them. They're safe because of who is in the boat. So when Jesus says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? It's like he's saying, did you forget that I was here? That I'm here? There's another time Jesus is in the boat with his disciples and they're all freaking out because they're on this long journey and they forgot to bring bread. Oh no, they're gonna be so hungry. They didn't bring lunch. What are they gonna do? And they start arguing amongst themselves and Jesus decides it's a good teaching moment. And he says, hey, beware of the, of the yeast of Herod and of the Pharisees. And they're looking at each other like, yeast, what are you talking about? Is he talking about bread? Oh, he knows, he knows we forgot bread. He's so mad. And Jesus sort of shakes his head and he just says, okay, you guys, let me ask you some questions. When I fed 4,000 people with just a few loaves and fish, how many basketfuls were left over? And they said, oh, seven. He said, and then when I did it again and I fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves and fish, like how many basketfuls were left over? And they said, 12. And he looks at them and he says, do you still not understand? And that's where he leaves it. Do you still not understand? It's like he's looking at Philip and saying, have you been with me so long and you still don't know me? See, the answer to our spiritual anxieties, our anxieties about the world, the anxieties about our lives, is not to get our ducks all in a row, is not to just like get our lives situated in such a way that we know we'll be okay. It's not to shout louder about what we believe when it feels like the culture is against us. It's not to be angry and disputatious and fractious with the people around us. The answer to all of these things is just Jesus, just knowing Jesus, coming to trust his heart, coming to lean on his heart, coming to know that whatever goes down and whatever betrayals may happen and whatever way I, like Peter, may end up failing Jesus, no matter what, his heart is trustworthy, he goes to prepare a place for me, he will come back and get me. And all will be well in the end. Uh, see, I was, I was raised in the church. I was raised with like a, a genuine deep love for Jesus. Somewhere along the way, I picked up this deep spiritual anxiety. I remember like as a little kid, like in Sunday school, a little kid constantly wondering like if I was doing well enough. Like am I a Christian enough? Am I, am I, does Jesus love me? Like is it okay? Am I okay? And uh, I, I remember all through my growing up years, like I was, I was sort of taught, I sort of picked up this idea that I need to always be taking my own spiritual temperature. Like, how am I doing? I'm, oh, I didn't read my Bible yesterday, so I probably, oh, da, da, da. and there was this like spiritual anxiety that was always ratcheting up. And then as I got older and like life got a little more complicated, I started actually really freaking out about um, the circumstances of my life. Like, oh, that's not going well, this isn't going well. What do I do with these really, really complex, painful emotions in me? And as I got a little older still, like, like traumas from my past, from my childhood began to like haunt me and revisit me and I was just like, I, I'm a mess, I'm scared, nothing seems like it's going okay. And then as I got even older still, like the, wor the world started to change around me. Like I grew up in a very Christianized, very suburban, like most people I knew were at least Christian in theory. And like it, it, made, it made sense to me. And then I, I went out into this other world and th that world started to change. And I was like, am I gonna be okay? 
And, and I had all this like spiritual anxiety and just like circumstantial anxiety that like I became actually a very anxious person. I remember my mom telling me when I was like in my 20s, uh, talking about how carefree I was when I was a little boy. And you could tell that like her undercurrent, like her was like, why, where'd that go? (laughs) What happened? And I just started to recognize when I was like in my mid 20s that like I've actually become a fairly anxious person and like the the inborn joy that I had and the inborn love for Jesus that I had when I was like six, seven years old, a lot of that had like faded into the background and I started just seeking Jesus about it. Jesus, where's all this anxiety coming from? Why am I freaking out? It feels like nothing's okay. It feels like I keep failing. It feels like I'm not okay inside or outside. Where, but what do I do with all this anxiety? And you know what? (laughs) Jesus not once has given me like a step-by-step plan. Not once has Jesus, like, when I've come to him in this anxiety, has he, like, given me this, this, like, list of things to do or this roadmap of places to go. Not once. What he's done every time is to offer his own presence as the solution for my deepest fears. To offer himself as, like, the balm and the anchor in the midst of the storm. And I remember when I was, uh, I think this was 2015, I don't, know how old I was. I don't want to do the math. Uh, 2015, I used to work at a different church, and uh, one of the things I would do each year is I would take a bunch of high school uh, and college students backpacking, like 25 people. We'd split into groups. We'd go backpacking in the Sisters Wilderness area, and one year, I had this really clever idea. Oh, it, was, it was so brilliant. I was like, okay, you guys, as we got at the trailhead, I'm like, okay, we're going to pray together, and here's what I want. Today we're going to hike, you know, whatever it was, eight miles, and um, I want us to spend the time walking. I want, I want you just to, like, don't, don't put any pressure on this, but just, like, listen and see if God might have, like, a word. Like, listen for one word that he has for you. It's like one word. And we're, so, so everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I was like, and we're going to talk about it later tonight at the camp. So we're like walking, we're hiking, we're seeing these beautiful mountains, and we're sort of, you know, in the downtime between conversations, I'm hoping people are praying, and I'm praying. I'm like, God, what's your word for me? And I'm expecting, like, some, some like, instruction. I'm expecting, like, God to be like, your, the, my word for you is preach, or my word for you is whatever, relationships, or my word for you, like something like I can, oh, this is what I need to go do, this is what I need to go like focus on and put my energy towards, and I'm listening, 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 nothing, 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 nothing. We get to the camp, and I'm like, oh no, I don't have anything, and we're about, I'm going to lead a discussion about this. And so I'm starting to think of like, what could I do as like a backup word, because I didn't really hear anything. And we, we cook, yeah, I know. We cook, we cook our meal and everything, and we're, we're, we're kind of getting things situated at the camp, and we eat our dinner. And then I'm like, okay, you guys, we're going to do the dishes from dinner, and we're going to take a few minutes just to like be on your own if you want. And then as, like, after sunset, we're going to come back around the campfire, and we're going to talk about our words. So we kind of get things situated, and I, I just um, am d- happen to be down by this lake and a little bit away from everybody. And I, I, I can't even remember what I was doing but I was doing some, some menial task. I was, I was repairing something or maybe washing out a dish or something. I can't remember what I was doing. But all of a sudden, like, it was so clear. I heard from the Spirit of God. Like, I heard my word from the Spirit of God. You guys want to know what the word was? The word, the word was, okay. And I was like, no, 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 that's not. And the Spirit, again, was like, no, really, okay. So like, what do you mean, Okay. 
And I had this deep sense in my spirit with all my spiritual anxieties, my need to perform, my worries about the world, my worries about my own life, my worries about my own ability to do this Jesus thing well, I heard the spirit say, you're okay. You're okay. Because I'm okay. You're okay. And it was like this revolutionary moment. Like it didn't, it didn't, I didn't come back to the campfire being like, you guys. I was kind of like sheepish about it. I was like, oh guys, I think maybe I heard this word. I don't know. Because it didn't feel very profound. But actually ever since that time in 2015, what is this, seven years later, the Lord has continued to affirm that truth to me and continued to remind me of that word. You're okay. We're okay. It's going to be okay. Like, really, it's going to be okay. And there are times in my life when I'm like, I don't see how that's possible. Don't let my heart be troubled. What are you talking about? My heart is the problem. I'm freaking out, God. And I hear him say, you're okay. And my honest answer is, God, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. And he says, I know, but I am. God is okay. God's not freaking out. God is not thrown off. God is not confused. God is not unable. God isn't confused about which way to go. God is okay, and because he's okay, I'm okay. Because he is good, I'm okay. I I shared this, I, I spent this last week speaking at a high school camp up near Olympia, Washington, and I shared this with them. and, uh, but, but there's this, this phrase that I've been using in my own life, and I've shared it with some people. Um, I often get the opportunity to like, have coffees and stuff with uh, like college-age dudes who like, want to talk to me about following Jesus, and so we'll meet pretty regularly. And I told this one guy that I was meeting with um, that I was like, well, I'm using this phrase that, that is just sort of a prayer. It's just like a reminder for me all the time, and I, just, I repeat it over and over and over, and it's this, just this phrase, God is good, so I'm okay. God is good, so I'm okay. Or God is good, and I'm okay. And, uh, and I just, I'll just repeat that. I'll just remind myself over and over and over because the truth of my life, the, the like actual reality, like what's really true about the world is I'm okay, not because everything's okay, but because God is good. Like I'm okay, not because everything inside is working properly, but because God is good good. That's why I'm okay. So I'll just remind myself of this over and over and over. And I told this one guy that I was having coffee with, I said, hey, what if this, it just kind of came to me in the moment. I was like, I've never, to, I've never like encouraged anyone to do this before, but what if every time you went to the bathroom, you just repeated yourself over and over, God is good and I'm okay. And like, you, you, you didn't think about anything else. That was like your cue. Like, this is where I think about this. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll try it. And he came back to our next time hanging out and he was like, I've been coming out of the bathroom so much happier and like less anxious. Like, that's awesome. And so I shared this with these high school students this last week and they were, and people you could tell were like receiving this and like, oh yeah, God is good and I'm okay. And so they played this game later on that night where they had to like, they had to like hold each other up by like, they were in a circle and, and they were like, they were like planking backwards and everyone's head was on the knees of the, of the person and they were like in a circle, right? And they had to hold it with like core strength, hold this like circle where they're supporting each other and, and see who could hold it the longest. I'm like, that doesn't sound like a fun game, but go for it. So it's like four minutes minutes, five minutes, six minutes, and the team that wins, when it gets to like eight minutes, they ended up going for 10 minutes. When it gets to like eight minutes, one person just starts going, God is good and I'm okay. 
God is good and I'm okay. And by the end, they're all chanting, God is good and I'm okay. God is good and I'm okay. And it was, it was such a funny picture to me, but it was like, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing not only in our individual life with God, that's what we're doing for one another. When it's just like, I can't hold on anymore. I think I'm gonna break. I think I'm gonna finally just fall flat on my face. I think it might be over. I think this might be the end. I think the culture might really tear us down. I think it's actually going down. I think this is the end days. This is where we tell each other and remind each other in words, in deeds, in attitudes, we remind each other, God is good, so we're okay. Not because everything's okay, it may not be okay, you may not feel okay, but the reality, the truth, the fact of life is God is good, so we're okay. And the way we learn to live in this, the way I, I have like been radically transformed over the past seven years of my life, like I've always been a Jesus follower, but the way I've learned to follow him without being motivated by fear and the way that I've learned to like actually let go of a lot of the anxiety of my life and become um, in many ways like a renewed version of that gregarious, like carefree kid that I used to be. The way that transformation has occurred in my life, and it's not done, it's not done, but has been through coming to know Jesus, like coming to know his heart, like that intimacy, who are you? What do you really think about this situation, about me? Like who, who are you? Can I do what you said and trust in God, trust also in Jesus? Can I do that? Are you trustworthy? Are you really on, on my team? Are you really for me? And when I can come to trust his heart in that way, I can do, I can finally obey him. I can finally obey him, and I can let not my heart be troubled. I think that's the process. We come to believe in who he is for us, and we learn to base our lives on that, base our even well-being on that. We learn to speak, to, speak truth to our own hearts and come to trust in who Jesus is, not in some theological roadmap, not in some like, thing that we can figure out and know like, how to beat this or beat that or, or get through this or get through that, but through coming to trust the heart of Jesus. And when we do that, our own hearts actually become restored. And we, and we have the ability to keep the troubledness, the anxiety, the fear, the storms, to keep them on the outside while Jesus exists with his great peace, his great love, and his joy within us. Oh man, I'm so out of time. I have more to say, but we gotta be done. Uh, let, let me pray for us. Worship team, you guys can come forward, and we'll close with a couple more songs. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that you don't just give us truth, or life hacks, or facts, you give us yourself, you give us yourself. Jesus, you are the answer to all of the questions and confusions we have, to all of the anxieties that we carry around. Jesus, convince us deep in our souls that you are trustworthy, that we can really lean on you with the full weight of everything we're carrying inside and outside. We really can. Would you teach our hearts not to be troubled? Would you teach us to trust in God and to trust also in you? Jesus, would you draw us to moments where we just get to know your heart a bit more? Would you draw us to those quiet moments, to those prayer times, to those worship times, when we can just hear your heart for us? 
and allow your presence to speak to our deepest anxieties and our deepest fears. Jesus, I believe you're here right now. I believe you're here right now. Jesus, would you minister your presence to our hearts? Would you be our way through today? Would you be our truth? Would you be our very life? We look to you in your name, amen.